hear us here in the host of the hour. First to follow the fox named Neve with books laid before the bear named M to read and retire around the long fire. We're back. We took a week off. Yeah. Um, an unplanned week off. I'm assuming we're still doing the week off next week too. Um, pr- probably if something comes out, then like surprise, Cal surprise, I guess. But, um, I, yes, I think so. I think life is on fire sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't feel um, good tonight. I am not my best self. I've been laid up, uh, for like two days. So oh. apologies to everyone. Um, and also we have the podcast probably won't be back next week, but we will on a different podcast. We so. can finally talk about uh, Chrono Cross. Yeah, we've we've never done that. Why it's why it's uh, mid <laughs> and overrated. Yeah. Um, I have the feeling that that's not what what either you or Jackson think of it, but um, I I know less of what Jackson thinks. Um, yeah, no, I mean, who knows? I, um, we've been getting emails about, we're just going to talk about Chrono Cross for a second here, because, um, <laughs> my brain, I feel like the saga is mostly falling on my head, and I apologize for how little I'm going to have to say when we get into it. Um, like I said, I've been, I've been under the weather. Um, yeah. but, um, the problem is, is if you appraise a JRPG as like a story being told about like, characters get roped into a plot and then the plot has themes and the theme like the state of the world is given to you as you go and roll through the story and the scenario coalesces into like a conflict between you and whatever the large thing is um i think chrono cross is like not very good on that level but it's just so clearly not interested in that that i don't really care yeah yeah um i i think that's the biggest thing that i return to is that it's just like it's not even trying for the things that so many people are like, Oh, it's just the people who want it to be like Chrono Trigger. Yes. Um, it like very, uh, clearly and intentionally wants to be different from Chrono Trigger, uh, in like very radical ways. So, um, I didn't mean the, the pun radical, but, <laughs> um, no, no, yeah. I, I didn't even catch it until you said something. So, uh, I thought of it, but yeah. <laughs> um, right anyway, anyway we it. can't talk about Chrono Cross at all. So I guess we should talk about the saga. Yeah. Um, I have not reread it since I read it last week. So um, we'll see how much either of us remember of this, this first half. <laughs> um, but uh, the saga starts uh, kind of jumping back in time, I think a little bit from where the last saga uh, ended, where, um, when Trigby Olison dies, uh, his wife, Astrether, um, basically goes on the run and gives birth to a child named Olivier, who's, you know, Olivier Trigvison, the, the hero of the saga or the, you know, main character, at least. Um, and we get sort of a, a sequence of, um, her on the run, um, and, uh, Harold or Grey Cloak is trying to, you know, catch her somehow, uh, get rid of the of Olivier, but continually fails. Um, I don't know if there's any like specific things that you happen to remember from this that jumps out, but um, I guess the the 
the biggest things that stand out to me is there's the part where um, they're taken as slaves. Uh, and then I think it's um, Seerther who recognizes uh, that he's like of royalty or something. And so then like buys him to, to free him from the bondage. Um, and then we get the part where um, the queen of Gartheriki, um we get like various stuff around exactly what's happening here. Uh, there's like ways that she needs to get approval from like the king of Gartheriki to let him stay there because he is of royal blood. Um, but basically, uh, she takes him under his wing, and there's like a uh, an heir to all of this. And I think this is the one place where it's like specific that like he's a, a beautiful boy, and that like um, it seems like people are like interested in him sexually. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, seems like an, I'm not sure how much we're supposed to be reading that in when he's like young, but it, it becomes more explicit as he gets older. Um, we then get the stuff with, uh, gold Herald. Um, we're going to have a lot of heralds here. Yeah. It was not, um, it was not great. I'll be honest. Yeah. I still need some uh, new goddamn <laughs> names. Uh, there were, there were so many that I started like losing track of my heralds as well, especially because they, I wish that they just always said like gold herald, you know? Yes. Um, and whatever the, there's some other like herald with a, a nickname after it as well. Um, but sometimes they'll just say herald, uh, and you're like, is this herald gray cloak? Is this, um, <laughs> you know, uh, gold herald, which one is it? Um, but we essentially get some, um, uh, like political maneuvering that's happening between, um, King Harold, uh, Hauken, and then Gold Harold. Um, and, uh, essentially this, like, plotting to, uh, have, like, both of them trying to, to get Norway and then like one guy has a forest and the other guy has a lar- larger forest and then kills him. Um, and so you get this like, uh, treachery where, um, gold Herald is killed by Hauken, I believe. Um, and then, uh, after that, uh, we finally get the death of, um, Harlder gray, gray cloak. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of politicking here. I don't remember all the details cause it's been a week. It has um, been a week. Uh, it's been a week, both just in terms of since I read this, and also yes. uh, it's been a week. <laughs> um, but uh, we get uh, then Gunhildr and her sons fleeing to Norway. Um, after all these defeats, um, and uh, I think Earl Hauken tries to to sort of seize some power in all of this. Um. We also get, um, I think it's Eric here who we get a little thing during a battle where they mention him going out and like killing a bunch of people when he's like 10. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's going to come back. He's going to be like a recurring guy in the saga. And I think in a few of the later ones too. Um, uh, but yeah, I think it's, uh, Earl Eric here who, who goes around and slays some people. Um, and then uh, we sort of get Olivier getting older um, and making some political lead, uh, alliances, um, including the marriage to the princess Gera, 
who's one of the the daughters of uh Burris Lauver, who's the king of Wendland. Um and we get this big battle in uh we get a lot of ha- uh, of herringing. There's a Yes. <laughs> there's one paragraph in particular I think that you like uh you know screenshot it on um twitter uh or you know took a photo of on twitter that's just like uh after that olivier turgutson sailed to england harrying far and wide in that land he sailed all the way north to northumberland and harried there from there he sailed south to scotland and harried there far and wide then he set his course for the hebrides where he had some battles from there he sailed south to the isle of man and had some engagements there he also harried far and wide in ireland then he sailed to wales carrying that land far and wide and also the country called cumberland from there he sailed west south to valland france and harried there thereupon he steered east north intending to reach england then he arrived in the sicily islands which lie in the sea of the england <laughs> this just reminds me of like when they pull out the big book in monty python holy grail and read out the uh, instructions for pulling the pin of the holy hand grenade uh that's yeah. that's the vibe of this chapter this little section <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but we get him uh getting converted to after all of this harrying, he gets converted to Christianity. Um, by I forget if we get like any specific information about this hermit. Um, it's like basically some sort of prophet, uh, who gives this holy prophecy that he'll become a famous king, work famous deeds, um, and bring many men to the true faith and baptism, and in so doing, benefit both yourself and many others. Unless you doubt my answer, let this be a token. Um, and basically has this thing about like encountering a traitor band and everything. And so if that happens, then like be baptized soon thereafter. Um, and that happens. And so then he's baptized. Um, we also get Olivier marrying Githa. Mm-hmm. Um, so Gera and Githa, um, I don't actually remember if he's going to fall into the problem of having too many sons everywhere, but <laughs> <laughs> on track currently. Um, oh, and gets a dog called Vigi. That's the most, most outstanding dog. Um, just wanted to call that out to the, the dog lovers in the audience. Um, then uh, is thinking about invading Iceland, um, but I forget who ends up discouraging him. I think it's a, a different uh Haraldir maybe um who has a a warlock go to Iceland in the shape of a whale uh and we get like him going and seeing like land whites and uh all sorts of monsters and serpents and everything all around Iceland it's you know full of evil or whatever um which to me just sounds like you hired a guy to do the job, uh, and then he didn't, but then just said, oh, yeah, it's real bad over there. Don't go. Because <laughs> we've read sagas about what's happening in Iceland. It's pretty boring. Yes. <laughs> There's not many serpents over there blowing poison. <laughs> That's true. Um, this part is funny to me just because you get this, like, invert that happens where a lot of sagas that are written in Iceland will talk about things in, like, Scandinavia. Um, and especially when you get up to, like, Finland area, like Lapland, that's where it's, like, really uh, all sorts of monsters and magic and everything happening over there. But it's, like, so dry in Iceland and then the magic happens abroad and you're getting, like, this inverse here. Uh, but it's just extra weird because it's a guy in Iceland writing this. So, <laughs> um 
Uh, oh, we get the, the Jomsvikings, um, which if we wanted to read an entire saga about some Vikings, there is a saga about them. Um, I think this translation might even like call out that he did a translation of the, the Jomsviking saga. Um, and then, uh, I do like this, this, uh, part where they all take this vow, uh, while they're really drunk. And then the next morning, um, and it's like this vow to like go and fight with them, uh, you know, to try and, I think it's like trying to take Norway. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they wake up the next morning and they're like, Ooh, uh, we shouldn't have made those vows while we were drunk. Uh Oh, <laughs> um, and a number of them, uh, end up dying, but then, um, I think it's, uh, Germander or, uh, Earl Eric here or something who, uh, ends up like pardoning a bunch of them if they'll join him. Um, I think Germander's the one who like brings the information and then, uh, I think Eric might be the one who pardons them. Um, but after a number have died, mm-hmm. so... Um, and then in the end here, we sort of get a, a large battle that's occurring, um, where we get a number of additional deaths here. Um, and I think the, the key thing is, um, a lot of this starts like setting things up for, uh, Olivier Trigveson to like gather more power. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he goes to Dublin um and uh I remember I forget this part with the thrall that murders Earl Hauken, but um yeah, we're getting a number of like people uh dying and it sort of paves the way for him to come back and uh become king. And so we end on him being accepted as the king over all of Norway. Mm-hmm. Um so next time we read, it will be him actually as a king doing things. Um, and, you know, presumably providing some stability uh, as currently Norway is just a lot of fighting between like earls and lesser kings and things. So, um, yeah, that's my best attempt at summarizing the saga, having uh, read it a week ago and not remembering all of it. Uh, that's fair. Um, the other thing with this reading was part of me was like, I could have tried to break this up into three like readings. Mm. Um, and then it would have been a little bit less to like for us to juggle. Um, but also there's a way where I'm like, I still like, I feel like it's not until the second half where you really get like his deal. Um, cause so much of this is just like this setup to him becoming King. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, otherwise I don't, I don't have too many thoughts here. Um, a um, couple things that I, uh, particularly liked, um, if I was fighting a war and it started hailstorming, I would not keep fighting the war. It just seems yeah. unhinged. <laughs> I don't know if they got different hail uh, in, up there, but uh, if it's hailing here, everyone's going to go inside and sit down until it stops hailing. Yeah. Um, I forget. Was that like a, a magic thing or like some sort of God blessing? I know it's like a thing that 
um, you know, turns the tide of the battle mm. in someone's favor. But um, I don't remember if it was said to be like a, a magic or if it was, you know, some blessing. Uh, no, um, it just says, a, yeah, just a storm sprang up. Um. Yeah, but it seems really bad. Um, the the scene in this that I actually like the most is um, is uh, Kark and Earl Hakon in this like weird standoff of like sitting through <laughs> yeah. the night in this long vigil and having like waking up having dreams like you're gonna betray me. No, I'm not gonna betray you. I'm gonna fall asleep. I had a bad dream. Oh shit, is it time? I don't know. What are we gonna do? And it just like going breaking as bad as possible. Uh, at the end, of, it just it just has big like. This is going to sound unhinged. I understand. You've seen After Hours, right? The Scorsese film? Uh, a really long time ago, but yeah. Um, well, that's a movie about like a guy who just works in like a New York finance job. And he, he's boring and he sucks. And he goes on this one night like sojourn where he just wants to get home. And he keeps getting mislaid, or waylaid by misadventures. And this little sequence, even though it's not really that, reminds me so much of like, if you were up in the night uh it feels there's a certain point in morning where you're like so tired and the night's going on so long that you're just like anything could happen and i would just believe it It, like reality is thin and credulity is low um and that's what this sequence feels like is these two guys in this long vigil just wearing themselves down for nothing over nothing and then it goes and then it gets murdered it's it's weird and uh like unsettling and i really liked it (laughs) yeah um, and it's also like, uh, cause, uh, Carter is supposed to be, um, you know, loyal to Earl Hauken mm-hmm. and they're like hiding out. Um, and they overhear, uh, King Olivier saying to people like, basically if anyone can, uh, you know, bring me the head of like Olivier or of, uh, Earl Hauken, like, then I'll, I'll give you all of these boons. Um, and so this is like an additional thing that's just like uh fomenting this like paranoia between them because now there's like additional reason for Karker to like want to kill him. And then at the end he finally does and brings the head of Earl Hauken to King Olivier, and King Olivier's like, Well, I'm not gonna have a like traitor in my midst. You are a yes. traitor to your king. Uh kill him. Stone him along with the head. This is correct. <laughs> this is this is good action. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um yeah that's a great like uh two chapters um yeah there's definitely a lot of this that is just like uh you know harrying and battles and things um but it was also long enough that there's like other exciting stuff yeah you know um it's not like last time where i feel like most of it was just kind of uh people going around having fights that's so, true. Um, Fifty-one chapters is a lot, though. This is probably yeah. like beyond the comfortable limits of an of an episode. As we, yeah, I might because um, we're gonna have similar for for next time. Yeah, but we have um, two weeks. We might as well just finish. Yeah. It. So I think we finish it out, but yeah. then I might uh, reassess the the page uh, stuff that I've done for Saint Olivier's Saga. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I tried to get it more towards like 40 pages instead of this is like 50. Yeah. Uh, but I'll double check. I'll double check those page numbers. Oh, um, fine. Probably. So. It also doesn't um, help that we're a week late and uh, 
you know. Yeah, I felt like I would have been far more ready to go last week uh, until I had a migraine, and then it just, like, destroyed my brain. Yeah. Um, it's valid. But, like, you know, that morning I was like, oh, yeah, I feel like I, I like, remember all the stuff that happened in this. Uh, a little bit of confusion around some of the, the Haraldier stuff, but I think that's just, like, part of the text. Um, I think it's just very conf- – I was literally uh, – because in the back of the book there's this index of names. Uh-huh. And so I was literally, like, had my finger stuck in the part for all of the Haralds, and I was just, like, flipping – and being like, okay, I'm on this page. Let me like make sure, check the like multiple Harlds. Can I figure out which one is supposed to be talked about right now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I couldn't always because sometimes there'd be multiple, you know, on the same page. But um, yeah, I occasionally had to do that. So, um, otherwise, though, I enjoyed the reading despite it being kind of long. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, it's no, like, draping the cloth over the, the handle while you inhale the, the you know, <laughs> uh, horse fat uh, vapors, but um, looking forward to next time, because I, I feel like I remember some, um, you know, we're going to have, like, a certain trying to Christianize the nation again. So um, I feel like those are always the, my favorite parts of these sagas. So uh, yes, me too. Um, and we know that he's not going to be successful because St. Olivier is going to be the one who really does it. So yes. Um, I think if I remember correctly, that we are going to get uh Odin as like a apparition or something. Oh, finally, that motherfucker has not been around for months. Yeah, all this um, realist historical fiction happening. Need a need a need a weird guy. Yeah, I don't I don't remember how like if it really is like Odin shows up. I just remember there's like something with Odin that happens in this. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like a little bit more potentially supernatural. So, um. But otherwise, I, I think that's about all I have for this segment of the reading. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say if if once again, if people aren't in the discord, um, the abnormal mapping discord uh, and checking out that thread of illustrations, there oh, are a lot of there good are ones so for many reading. for this reading. Yeah, that I, was, I was saying that like, I know which one I want to use. and I use the one that I want to use, yeah. but I could have done like 10 different things. Yeah, like, there was one very early on where I responded in the thread being like, oh, this would already be a great one for M to make a meme out of. And then there were, like, more after that yeah. were great. So, um, yeah. Let me uh, let me hit you with what I ended up going with. Uh, okay. There you go. Um... <laughs> yeah that one in bed's great the funniest part with the bed one is that apparently um it's flagged as a, it's flagged a sensitive content <laughs> yeah like all sorts of places and it's just like a man sitting in bed it's great oh, I, I put it in there i didn't mean to put it in there that's all right yeah those you know can know yeah. <laughs> you know those i thought, who, I, I, thought I was putting it in your it. chat but that's how that's where my brain's at today thought yeah. i was in the discord call 
Um, yeah. I feel like we had a couple illustrations. We really did not have many in our book, though. No, like, I, like when I read it, I'm like, oh, yeah, th- like, if I didn't know that there were all of these, I would have been like, this chapter had a lot of illustrations, but it's nothing compared to the, the versions that uh, Klaus yeah. is working off of, which, to be fair, are like, you know, yeah, huge I think hardbound the- cover versions. Yeah, I think the uh, funniest one in ours uh, is the the one with the horns, especially because the guy on the right, like, just pouring it on himself. Yes. And, and, and looking displeased about it. Um, I also do just like the caption of Earl Hauken puts the clerics on land. Yes. And it's just like a bunch of monks, like, wading through water. It's got, like, it's got, like, like bad tarot card vibes of just these like monks like <laughs> pouting in the water like with their robes pulled up to their thighs yeah it's like oh um, yeah you pulled the three of swords it sucks out here sorry <laughs> um since we have two cross like shapes there would probably be the two of swords <laughs> yes you are correct um, yeah However, um, I don't know. I have nothing. It's fine. I look at tarot decks probably way more than you do. So. It's been a while. Three of Swords is not the one I was thinking of. I was thinking of the guy picking up all those, the swords. Which one's that? Yeah. Seven? Six? Somewhere in there. Um, I think it's the Seven of Swords. Seven of Swords. Yes, that is correct. Yeah. That's the one I'm thinking of. Um, And then I think the Nine of Swords is when he's real sad <laughs> Yeah. about all of his swords. Hanging on the wall. Yeah, Nine of Swords is uh, up too late at night, pondering reality. That, that's the most, genuinely the most relatable card in tarot is the Nine of Swords to me. Um, yeah. Because that, God, that's fucking it. That's it. Um, when I was, when I was into tarot, I pulled, I was like primarily pulling swords. Uh, look, disclaimer, I understand tarot is not real. Whatever. We're just gonna have a conversation about a thing that's fun right now, so don't be weird about it. Yeah. Um, I understand our audience are all like, uh, you know, historical materialists who don't believe in such frivolous things, but sometimes I enjoy it. Um, and um, as I've gotten older, I feel like I pull more cups and I feel like that's an exemplar of growth of me as a person. Yeah. Um, you're shifting from like uh, action and like immediacy into relationships. Uh, yeah. Cups to me. Yeah. Um. The main deck I use is, um, it's like the tarot of pagan cats or something. But it's like, <laughs> okay. it's like, uh, kind of based on the, not entirely, but like enough based on the, the writer weight that there's like a lot of similarities there. Uh-huh. Um, but honestly, the main reason why I use it a lot is that it degenders the, the cards so much more, mm-hmm. um, which I just appreciate because, uh, a lot of tarot decks are like, uh, even the cards that aren't obviously gendered, like, you know, king and queen and stuff, um, there's still, like, a lot of gendered images happening. Um, yes. So, I, I do appreciate that aspect of it, but mm. um, my approach to tarot, which is uh, a thing that I got from, like, Taoist stuff, where this is a, one way of thinking about, like, using the, the Yi Ching, um, 
where, you know, you can throw like coins or Yarrow stocks or something, and then you get like a, a pattern of broken and unbroken lines. Mm. Um, and then those get associated with the, the various chapters of the Yiching. Um, but there's like one perspective of it where it is, it is less about like, this is actual divination. You are seeing the future and it is more about a practice of like, uh, giving yourself some sort of randomness and making a task of trying to find order within it. Mm -hmm. And in that process, like finding new ideas or, um, you know, also like doing this thing, practicing a thing that you also will have to use even when you're not doing like quote unquote divination of like looking at the randomness of the universe and like trying to derive some meaning for yourself out of it. Yes. So, this um, is, um, I don't really truck with like tarot as a divination. I don't really believe, I don't believe in reading the future of any, in any, through any process. And if it was true, I wouldn't want to know. Cause I, I just feel like yeah. I am existentially terrified of like, <laughs> precognizant traps like paul atreides over here right yeah um but um so i like I, tarot for me was when i did do it was always a uh like a reflection tool and a meditation tool but in doing by by doing that i feel like on some level you have to like be willing to ha meet it halfway and like imbuing it with a with a not like a future sight power but like the power of omen you have to you have to be willing yeah. to like excuse your your rational notions and like say oh i often pull swords and that that's meaningful and now i'm not pulling swords as often and that's meaningful um even though i know that it's just cards and i you just shuffle them and you just pull them i i understand that i i but i do yeah. think that um being willing to uh suspend a, a like hard rationality for the thing is part of the magic and like you know that's that's all art right <laughs> I don't think yeah. I don't think this is any different than like I I try not to go to the movies and go oh that wouldn't happen in real life that's not how any of this works you know yeah um it's also a thing of like I will sometimes do readings for people and despite mm. like even talking to people about like this is my approach yes. um <clears throat> I will still lean into the like awe that people will have when from what little they've told me about the thing that they're thinking about and I start doing it and I pull a card and then I'm like immediately relating it to something and I'm like mm -hmm. oh this thing in this card uh there's almost like a magic trick to it as well but yes. um yeah I think like anytime you do it you have to like uh you have to give in to the astonishment <laughs> yes absolutely so yeah you have to let yourself like see the coincidence as like oh wow uh you know the card was really spot on with that one. Yeah. So. But like on some level, it's just like a a more rigid version of like sand play therapy, right? It's like you given a, a small space to construct narrative and meaning out of, you know, whatever's in front of you. Human beings love to do this. This is the secret. Yeah. Um. This is reminding me of, I've been watching Gundam X and there's the tarot card part, like at the beginning with the oh, Frost yes. Brothers. Yes. Um, and I actually like took photos and tried to recreate the, the spreads that they had to uh -huh. like do readings of it. Um, which I'll just say, uh, fitting for, for two brothers who can communicate across, uh, space psychically, uh, they do draw a lot of cups. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Um, I, 
you're not done with Gundam X, right? So I don't want to talk too much. But I feel like the Frost Brothers are maybe the biggest missed opportunity of a thing that could be cool, but it ultimately is not in uh, Gundam I like. Yeah, I have eight episodes left, okay. so I'm like, like just went to space. Okay, like literally just went to you're, space. You're 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 so. shit's about to get real because they know they're getting canceled. Yeah. And they're fucking gonna sprint through the last bit of the show. <laughs> yeah, which I know that like uh, you and Jackson like the show, rate it highly. Uh, talk about the ending being really good. So I'm like excited for that because, and I felt a little bit of it going to space. Like that was just a good episode, even if it was like mostly. The you haven't, you haven't usual to Gundam going to space, X, right? Yeah, you haven't, right? I have been. Oh, no, no, I mean, you didn't like listen to the season already, right? Oh, yeah, I did. Oh, you did? Okay, yeah, yeah. For me, it's just about the ways in which Gundam X is a reflection on letting go of the idea of gun. This is the thing, this is the thing that Tomino always tried to say, but no one will listen to him because he made it. Is at the end of the day, you have to fucking burn gun from the ground and walk away. And no, Sunrise will not do this. Bandai will not do this. The Gundam fans will not do this. Um, I think Gundam X is the closest we're ever going to get to someone being like just shaking you and going, get rid of this. This is bullshit. The robot cartoon yeah. will not save you. <laughs> um, yeah. That and like Tomino himself doing like turn A, but yes. Yeah. The problem is turn A is just so it, like perfect and such a like beautiful romantic dream of Gundam that it in many ways it like undoes that theme by just being a world I want to inhabit and think about and turn over and like experience um the allure yeah. is there which I don't feel about Gundam X like I'd love to hang with Gundam X's crew but the world of Gundam X fucking sucks there's nothing like turn A's like oh I just love the dream of the 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 boy who serves the queen and the other boy who serves the other queen <laughs> um <laughs> Um, the, the one thing that I do think, uh, is a point towards this for turn a with me is that when I think about it, I think about like that final episode of turn a, mm. like that's the world that I want to live in. where just like the Gundam is frozen. Yes. You know, but it, it's um, still like, it's still part of the imaginary. Yes. Turn a. Um, yeah. And ultimately, <clears throat> um, I mean, this is, this is the one thing in turn a's favor is that no one fucking mentions new types. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, it doesn't matter. It's a garbage. Yeah. It's a, it, it, like it was. It was a metaphor to begin with, and everyone invested in it as like the key to the secrets of Gundam, uh, or discounted it as total nonsense. And ultimately, it, it just has to be a metaphor. And if you can't see to the thing the metaphor is pointing at, then you need a new metaphor. But you've got to move past metaphors someday. You have to understand yeah. the th the heart of the thing. Um. Yeah. Part of turn a that's special is the fact that it's like the the Gundam that is the most about new types is like the themes of new types mm -hmm. to me, but not about new types as like all the other narrative stuff put on it. Yes. Um, but all the stuff with like, uh, Deanna and Keel is just like the most new type shit ever happening. <laughs> um, um, what actually matters is that Tony and NL are great and Ritz and Roy, uh, Roby are great too. I love all of them. They're all perfect. I love the yeah. crew, uh, of Gundam X more than probably any <clears throat> gundam squad um like there's there's characters i like more in like double zeta and turn a but like in terms of like this feels like a family unit that is like working together i it's peerless yeah um i also like there's the the part where like the power ran like briefly goes out or something yeah um and it's like uh tifa uh you know jumping into garrett's arms 
um uh oh is it who jump i forget if uh sarah jumps into tonya's arms or the other way around Mm -hmm. um and then i think it's like uh roby jumping into wit's arms um and it was just this moment of like oh they kind of know yeah they definitely know (laughs) tonya and nl go on a fucking date they know they do yeah they're just friends though um (laughs) it was it was funny i found the like amv of uh tony and nl yeah uh, and then jackson was like i know i was gonna send it to you when you were done and just like this is i i just like latch onto a ship in a show and i see what amvs exist of it so yeah that's fair i uh yeah i just love the Gundamax, and it's mostly just because i feel so oppositional to the myth of gundam that gundam itself perpetuates and now we're like one of the things that doesn't really bear mention that much in seed because it's so self-evident is it's made by people who think the franchise of gundam is inherently worthwhile even if you're not doing anything other than pointing to gundam and going that look at that yeah um and i think i think that's contemptible (laughs) basically yeah um Um. Yeah. Uh, we're we're getting so close to the end of seed. <laughs> yes. Uh. Um. But yeah, I there. When I think broadly about Gundam X, mm-hmm. I am enjoying it a lot. The last few episodes I've been in the whole like three anime sickos. Um. Oh, they're, they're so boring. The, yeah. And it's like half of the episode for all the the starred stuff. Yes. Um, and then big Gundam Wing energy and yeah, G Gundam Wing energy oh. of that whole section. Yeah, extremely. I was like, oh yeah, the director of Gundam, like the second half of Gundam Wing, did this. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then I was like, we were done with the three sickos, and I was like, are we gonna have like maybe some side plot that's like the Frost Brothers, but it'll be a little bit more interesting because I know they're gonna stick around, and then we'll get like a conclusion with some of this stuff because it felt like the S star stuff had been building towards something, and I wanted like the prince becoming king to then get anything else, and then I just immediately moved past. So. No. I think it's been my my that and the this uh new type dolphin are my least favorite parts. So yes, the first episode of the new type dolphin, I was willing to see it through, um, you know, but it did not it did not uh actually stick that landing. No, <laughs> Austin was so just like aggressively instantly opposed to it. Um, it was right. It turned out to yeah. be right uh, about it, and it. It was good. Uh, those episodes are very funny to think about because I only I remember just also being so like this thing fucking sucks. Um, and I was like, mm, I don't I, I want to see how it plays out. No, no, this is right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I was listening to the to the episodes as I was watching along. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so during that, I was like with you being like, there could be something here like. Uh, even if it's a little bit just like stupid fun, if there's like a little bit of themes going on, yes. um, I would still be like, okay with it. Yeah. Um, but the minute they're like dolphins, unlike humans don't know the concept of murder. I'm like, ah, ah no alert, pull out, <laughs> yeah. eject immediately. <laughs> yeah. Um, so stupid. Yes. Um, but also like extremely of its era, kind of like the way, 
ecology and environmentalism was environmentalism was imbued with a sort of like spiritual weight beyond like what humans do. Um, the yeah. reason you should save the planet and the animals is not because he, animals are inherently more noble than humans. It's ridiculous. Uh, there's so many yeah. better reasons to care about this. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it also just like, I think lends into, I, I think I said this in like the non-homophobia zone on stairwells or something, mm-hmm. but it like further lends itself into these like ideas of like humans as having like inherently lost some sort of like, uh, innocence, mm-hmm. uh, that like we can't get back. And it like frames humans as just like, uh, inherently a blight on the earth. Yeah. Uh, and like our, our only task is to like try to minimize that as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is like very fatalistic about like the, any hope of like humans and the earth coexisting. Yes. Um, which, in fairness, Gundam also leans into sometimes, but <laughs> like uh, which, to be fair, but, I also like I I, I get it because I feel that way too sometimes. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's yeah. it's it's messy. Um, I think especially like hard encoding it as being like, but the animals are pure. Uh, yes. Unlike us, it like makes it worse to me. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, this episode sucked. <laughs> yeah, um, and it was sort of the beginning of like some of the other stuff that I have not enjoyed as much in Gundam X. So, yeah. um, I'm ready to be swayed. Yeah, but... Gundam X is a messy show. I, I my high ranking extremely is like outsized. I just fucking love thematic material in the ending more than basically anything. Um, but also I day to day i keep telling people i just just don't like gundam as much as most people so it makes sense that like weird stuff catches me uh off guard and becomes my favorite stuff um um also you know you're you're not gonna supplant double zeta because you don't think there's a bad episode double zeta and i think you're out of your goddamn mind i've kind of like leaned into that yes i know i know it's like i know it's at least 20 percent bit but um also i know you do feel that way um i do i do just like tiger i think that there's like good interesting stuff in tiger bomb yeah i and my thing is i think double zeta often feels like a show that uh is killing for killing time so they can hit 50 episodes and then the movie comes out um and it's not just tiger bomb i think uh i think yeah. the Sh- i think the shangri-la stuff goes on too long uh i think the ending not the like final moments after the big battle but i think everything with judo versus haman is like intentionally weak but that doesn't mean i want to watch it i think it's boring um i think Haman Karn in general is like top tier disappointments in gundam for me as a character and i don't know how much of that is i don't like what she's about or i don't like how she's utilized um i don't i can't i can't separate those two in my brain um yeah um i'm just very invested in like all the stuff with plot and plot too yeah that's um and i'm like of the opinion and i know that like in the the making of double zeta it is like as you say buying time for char's counterattack yes but like my ideal gundam is like it just like last episode of double zeta the series is over there's no more gundam yeah. <laughs> despite the fact that i love a lot of other gundam after that like you know maybe turn a can like happen as well but every, it's not going to happen without everything at the so. end of every gundam i sit here and go is it worth making more Gundam? And genuinely, since Double Zeta, the answer's been no. <laughs> yeah. Um. Tomino uh, agrees, so I don't know. I don't tell you. 
yeah i won't go into detail but that i have that feeling at the end of iron-blooded orphans mm-hmm. um and then i found a thing that it turned out that it was just fan fiction but like a wiki some fan fiction wiki or something was writing about it as if it was a tv show and i was briefly filled with like terror at this idea of like uh characters in that show getting into a gundam again <laughs> um i was just like this no <laughs> so um but apparently that fan fiction writer really really uh is into that idea so <laughs> mm. yeah i just um even after like i'm excited to get to gundam that i'll probably like more than seed but like man you look at seed it's like this whole thing you, you fucked it up so bad just stop just go home make anything else yeah um unfortunately it was massively successful somehow <laughs> i don't understand um, one of the things I need to do before we get to that episode, uh, that I've been meaning to do is to try and find and read some doujin that doesn't look like it's just straight porn happening, you know, cause there are those doujin where like just straight porn's happening. I want the ones that are primarily about character interactions yeah. just to like understand what fans saw in the show at all. Um, I, will not I don't know if this. I'll get it. From not, that, this, but... is, this is your version of Jackson <laughs> yeah. going to like the forums of the time as people react to the episodes coming out. Um, I will not be doing any of this. Thank you. Yeah. I'm really excited um, to be found... done, and that's it. The big thing I found one author whose work looks like it would be the thing that I want. Um, and it seems like none of it has been translated into English. So mm-hmm. that's the, I got to that point and I was like, okay, I'm gonna have to like regroup and I'm not working on this anymore. So, I mean, there's a huge um, Western fandom. There has to be English language material that you want. That's what you yeah. Want. I might also check out like archive of our own and yeah. see what's on there. Um, gotta go but, back to fanfiction.net. You gotta go to the old sites. Yeah. Where none, nobody migrated this stuff over. Yeah. Um, but that's one of the things I, I want to try and figure out. So I already did my looking into academia. I have to go on the other end now. Yes. Uh, when I've done this, I, it's always weird. Cause like I've uh, had shows where I've done this for it. Like archive around just doesn't have the shit that I want. I want the things from the era. Um, and you got to yeah. go to these crusty old websites that haven't been touched in 20 years. And they're still up because they're just hosting text files in plain HTML. And it's, it, it's beautiful. Um, but it does require a bit of like, spelunking the depths of early online fandom yeah um that's the thing i part of me thinks that like i might have better luck finding some old material with doujin it's just then harder where it's like is it translated yes um also less likely to run into well i found something but it's like uh twenty thousand words and i'm not reading all that (laughs) that's fair that's fair (laughs) so um but really i want to find like somebody who cares about the ships between the boys in a way where i can try to understand it in any way um but i think some of it is also there's just like a specific brain you have to have where i had it i had it with gundam wing i'm watching gundam wing now and i'm like why was i shipping all these boys they're so boring the only one that so. has any real like textual credence is uh katra and troa obviously they're playing yeah. music together um, and then the yeah. only one I have any personal like skin in the game is duo and hero because I think they yeah. play off each other really well. I think the chemistry is like there if you want it, but, um, but one, anyone who uses Wufei for anything is going directly to taste prison. 
Um, yeah. Because Wufei's Wufei sucks so fucking much. I hate that boy so much. Why? Why does he exist? Every time he's doing something, I'm like, man, this is the worst boy that's ever lived. And not in like a, he's like gross. There's a lot of gross guys in Gundam. Wufei is not typically like beyond the pale. Like he's too offensive to my sensibilities. I just think he sucks in every conceivable yeah. way. Yeah. Uh, I just had a stretch of like, uh, Wufei was just missing for a while. Yes. Um, and then they remembered that he exists and I was like, did you have to? <laughs> so I finally got into Trey's gang. Trey's so. gang. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, my Trey's gang is the single best thing that's come out of us doing GGP. I feel like I love Trey's gang so much. Just the perfect <clears throat> distillation for when a shitty anime lord uh, says something that's just right enough that you're like, man, he's got a point, even though he sucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is wild how much of the show is uh, just like continuing extension of the the gross stuff that they do with Lady Un. Mm-hmm. Um, with the like split personality, where it's just like uh, everybody has these two warring sides. Oh, of, you know. Yeah. Uh mind wiped uh nice lady Un is the most miserable fucking character i hate it so much yeah i yeah. It, it just brought it all back where she shows up and she's just like not it's like wh- what happened this sucks and yeah. you're like are they going somewhere is they gonna do something with this no not really not really it's just like the they like pull back from making it like that literal like a person having you know uh like plural you know split personality in the language of the show yeah um they like pull it back from like that full level, but then they have like that stuff happening with Zex and, you know, Peacecraft and, um, all the stuff happening, uh, with like the pacifism debates and stuff is just like all like, they think that like that theme is great and they just keep iterating on it. And I'm like, it, (laughs) it's yeah, it's not, it's not, this ain't it. Um, you're just bringing back everything i don't like about gun fucking sex i sex is so boring what a disappointment he might be and i'm in the middle of gundam sea destiny he might be the worst like fake char guy in gundam yeah i just because you you see it you see that he has it and then you see him lose it and they don't know what to do with him at least in like you know fucking lake crusade or mula flaga these fuckers never had it (laughs) they're just bad zex you could have been somebody yeah um Oh, it is. So watching it, I have remembered because obviously the uh, Troa Katra, that was the the one that I like, even when I first started watching the show um, or like before I did, I was like, I think this is one of the ships. Like this is like one of the big ones and one of the ones that I did. Um, And I did uh, Duo Hero, obviously, as well. I think that's the other one that like is not really supported by the show, but is still kind of there um, if you want to reach for it. And then the other one was Trace and and. Zex. Uh you get a little bit of that. Especially with the the Epion. Mm-hmm. Um and it being like, he did know me so well, maybe he did want me to pilot it. Uh that's a little gay. That that part's a little bit gay. If you want it to be. Yeah. <laughs> uh but so much of, of Gundam Wing is if you want it to be, we're not gonna do anything with it, but if you want to pretend. <laughs> so um that's where I am in, in gun at at some point, I'm gonna have to watch G Savior. That's one of the, that's like the other big thing I have to get to. It's 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 like a totally serviceable Canadian made for TV and a, like sci-fi movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, I feel like it understands Gundam better than some Gundams. 
Um, I'm mostly excited for it just because of like the idea of this like kind of you know like this Canadian Gundam yeah. like um that's just a, a very different like you know what is that going to be I can't like fully envision it yeah. I kind of can but also I can't yeah it's so. like a it's like a perfectly serviceable 6 out of 10 movie but it makes me happy in my heart to watch <laughs> It just is like, yeah, yeah, this is it. They should have made like seven of these. Um, <laughs> within the, the you know, abnormal mapping podcasts, better than everything <laughs> everywhere all at once. That's true. That's just fucking true. <laughs> um, that, that was just the funniest first matchup for that podcast. Um, yes. That like a bracket. Just the truly have you been paying attention. <laughs> Um, the other thing is, this is just like a thing with Gundam in general, but like if I type in G Savior, I get like the poster. Oh, uh, I get some shots of like what I'm assuming is the in in the movies like CG model, yeah, and then I just get like eighty billion photos of you know that people have taken of their like gunpla of it, yeah. Most of which are like custom jobs because the the one model of it is like very old and not very good. Yeah. Um. So like, I don't even see like a a photo of a guy in the movie. You know, I, I'm looking. I'm looking at the images. I'm like, when does Mark Caron show up? There's manga Mark Caron in like in photo six on my Google image search, uh, but that's not the same thing. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> just not. No, oh, here's one. It's like way down here. It's like a little inset. Yeah, there's just not a lot. Um, yeah. G Savior, the thing most, well, SD probably, but like in terms of things people take as like serious, quote unquote. Uh, G Savior, the one most likely to have not been watched by people who assume it's just terrible. And uh, even if it's like not your thing, I think there's stuff there. I mean, I think you'll enjoy it personally. I think you'll find it charming. Yeah. Um, if not, like. You know, it's not like setting the world on fire, um, but yeah, it's no robot um, jocks. That's for damn sure. I mean, how could it be? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not going into it expecting robot jocks. <laughs> yes, that'd be that'd be setting it up for failure. Yeah. Um, I know that you. Uh, I th- I feel like slightly preemptively declared yourself movie mounted, but I don't know if that's actually... uh, then my fucking like stomach exploded. So you, yeah, it's not it's not gone anywhere, unfortunately. Okay. But you still have the like impulse. I would like to, yeah. Okay, but it, it everything's busy, and I don't I won't have time until like Friday, maybe Saturday to watch a movie, and it's annoying. Yeah, um, I'm surprisingly a little bit game mounted, but nice. Um, I mean, it's mostly just, uh, I'm still a little bit, I'm still more game mode than I thought I was because I did sit down and finish a podcast game, uh, a month early, a month early. Mm -hmm. Um, it happens. Yeah. Um, but I'm assuming, uh, I will briefly talk about Zelda on the abnormal mapping episode. Are you playing Zelda? Yeah. Um, a large, not constantly but like in terms of stuff that's moving the plot forward i always do that like when my kid's watching because they're all excited about it okay um 
but occasionally I'll be like, you know, we, we've gotten to like a, a place where there's a fast travel point. Uh-huh. And so then without like, cause there'll, there'll be, be like, want to watch all of it. And I'm just like, this game's going to take forever if it's like, I'm only playing it while you're watching it. Yeah. Um, so I will like go around and do shrines and then just like fast travel back when I, before I save the game. Yeah. Um, so that when I play with them again, it's like, Oh, and like, I point out that like we have more hearts now or something. So they're like kind of aware, but I'm, I'm trying to avoid like actual story stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, but we did do the first dungeon, you know, the first temple. So, okay. Um, is uh, uh you enjoying it? You're like you're like a Breath of the Wild sicko, right? Yeah, I did enjoy Breath of the Wild. Um I still think like Wind Waker is probably my favorite Zelda. Mm. Um that and like the the um seasons, ages. Okay. You know. Uh I like a lot of those like little handheld ones back in the day, but Yes. I wish I liked Wind Waker more. Um because I mean, it's Wind Waker. Like it's great, got a great art style. I love the the aesthetics and uh, the story's pretty good. I just it, get too like gamer mode. I'm like, but the dungeons all suck, and they you can clearly feel where the last two were cut out. And uh, I just don't like playing it. It's like got it's like set up to almost have a combat system, and then doesn't actually use it for much of anything. And you know, just normal boring gamer shit. I just yeah. get that way about it. I wish I wish there were more Wind Wakers. I wish there was a Wind Waker sequel. And I know there's the DS games. I'm not talking about those. <laughs> <laughs> I played the DS games. Um, yeah, I think so. this is maybe unsurprising, uh, considering that Chrono Cross is my favorite game. Uh-huh. Uh, I I really enjoy when a game, and this can mean different things, but when it is just like about kind of inhabiting a space and like moving around in it. Yeah. Um, and so that's the thing that I really liked about wind waker is just kind of like sailing around. And I know some people who are like annoyed at how slow sailing is. And I'm just like, I'm just kind of like chilling, looking for stuff. Like maybe I'll come across the, you know, and I think like breath of the wild and, um, uh, you know, tears of the kingdom now, um, obviously do that sort of just like wandering around and exploring better than wind waker did. Uh, in terms of just like they're able to just have a bigger world with filled with more stuff. Um, but there's still something in a way that also I think makes sense. If you know that I like Chrono Cross with Wind Waker, where like, you're kind of just like at sea and it's a little bit like lonely and boring. And I enjoy that. Yeah. No, no, no. I, it's so. cause I have all my memories of Wind Waker that I feel this way about. But then when I also like think about the last time I tried to play it, uh, when the HD collection came out, and was just like, this is this is a fucking nothing game. This is like a, the shell of a real Zelda game at some point. Yeah. Um, but then I yeah. go to like Twilight Princess, which is like maximalist Zelda, and I go, no, 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 not this. This is too far. Not what I'm asking for. Yeah. <laughs> um, I never play. I never had a Wii, mm-hmm. so uh, I played like I had a roommate who had a Wii, so I played a little bit of them, but mostly watched him play it. I was going um, to say, like, you're, like, one of the one few people on Earth who's, like, above 20 who didn't have a Wii. Yeah. Um, really, I mean, I I was still, like, when my roommate and one of our friends went to get the Wii from Target, and we were up uh, in the Upper Peninsula at Northern Michigan University, which is where I went to undergrad, um, and so they were, like, waiting in the cold to, like, 
you know, get it when they would have some in stock uh, in the morning. And I was like on call. And so I was just like back in the dorm room playing PlayStation 2. And like truly there was just like a long period of time where I was just like playing PlayStation 2. Um, even like because I, I got the PlayStation 3 being like, well, the next Persona game is going to be on this. So, <laughs> uh, and there's some games that I want to play now, so I, I'll just get it because I know that I'm going to want to get it when the Persona game comes out. Uh, cause I was an even bigger Persona head than I am now where, um, you know, I've, I've reevaluated a little bit, but there's still a certain, like in a different way, inhabiting the space of Persona games that I just enjoy. Yeah. I mean, um, I bought a, I bought a PS3 from Metal Gear Solid 4. So yeah. Um, and then, I when I finally played Persona Five, it was obviously on PlayStation Four. But yes, <laughs> um, yeah. But like, even when I had the PlayStation Three, there was still like a lot of just me playing like PlayStation and PlayStation Two games. Like my since uh, we got a PlayStation Two, my PlayStation Two is like been plugged in from like high school, undergrad, grad school. Like I've always had it plugged in somewhere. Um, um so it's really weird that, that for the playstation 2 um and i'm not counting like the genesis or anything because i didn't have one as a kid it was different but the playstation 2 is the one console like i was aware of games and, but in its time just kind of didn't ever fuck with like i played some like i played final fantasy and stuff but like i have no affection for the ps2 i very little like deep experience with its library outside of like the you know like i played eco and shadow colossus and final fantasies and stuff but like ps2 is just a void like for me of like interest like i played you know yeah. gta's and stuff and um i've played persona 3 and 4 but not the ps2 versions of both those games um it's just weird uh huge huge like taste gap between me and like literally everyone i know yeah that's i mean it's also the playstation like playstation and playstation 2 but that's like where my like you know the heart of my gaming tastes i feel like live or yeah. like were at least developed yeah see i um, was i had like i got a 64 and that was where most of my focus was but like the playstation um my brother had and then i got into it as i got into rpgs but uh it's only now that i'm going back and exploring the playstation but uh i'd pick the place ps1 over the ps2 100 times out of 100 in terms of like libraries i'm interested in yeah um well and that's the thing i think that in general i like playstation games a little bit more than playstation 2 Mm -hmm. um but the beauty of like if you have just like you know i still have plugged in the playstation 2 i can put playstation games in there that's how i played chrono cross so i'm not i'm not putting um, any real games into anything and so to me like the playstation 2 is the best console because it has both libraries. So like, how are you going to compete with both of those libraries? And <laughs> That's true. I, I just so. don't, I don't consider that when I think of like the, the, the library, like the platform itself, like, you know, yeah. I really like the DS. I don't think of the GBA as being DS games, right? Those are, that's separate. I had a, you know, um, just for the sake of like considering an object. But you're right, like, ultimately. Like, a backwards-compatible PS3 is, like, the best console ever made, just in terms of, like, scope of what you can do with it. Yeah. Um. Uh, but I, there's also a part, like... I feel like there's also classics of PlayStation 2, and I did play some of them, but uh, that, like, um, people think about as, like, this is the heart of PlayStation 2, that also, like, is it my PlayStation 2 vibe? Like, I played Okami, but it's fine. 
Oh, you I, know? Th- I played Okami and I think it sucks. <laughs> yeah. Like there, there it's, it's doing a Zelda and there are better Zelda games. Yeah. So, I just ultimately um, like, I'm like after, after uh, Majora's Mask, I just think 3D Zelda kind of lost its way to replicating the same thing over and over. And all the would-be Zeldas like Darksiders and Okami also just make that same game, but they don't have Nintendo's money. So it's not as good. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it is like, uh, you know, Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3 are, I think, the best Metal Gear Solid games. Yeah, um, I would agree. But I, I think those yeah. are also, uh, like, similar with, like, Silent Hill 2. I think those are, like, considered classics. Yes. Um, Final Fantasy 10 and 10 2 are my favorite Final Fantasy games. Um, I also do like 12, but for, like, very sentimental reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I like 12. I'm always, look, despite the fact that I am <laughs> on record as being, like, 12 is a very bad story. I think about 12 fondly a lot. I just never think about like what happens in 12. I think of running around the Easter sands as the music plays. And I like chain together 97 wolves. Yeah. Um, this is also a thing that strengthened like, uh, final fantasy 10 and 10 two for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I had a, I had an online friend, um, who, uh, lives in Iceland, and I I finally met one sort of like she was doing a concert in Chicago. Uh-huh. Uh, it's like part of a band, um, but we would we were playing through like the Final Fantasy games and talking about them. Um, and she had had a close friend die, and so like talking about like Final Fantasy ten and ten two and all of that uh-huh. like really strengthened it. But then we were also talking about twelve. Um, and there was like other conversations that were, you know, related to just having this like international friend online. So yeah. um all of that like further strengthened those as my fun favorite Final Fantasy games. Yeah. Uh, ten, there's there's stuff I put above twelve. I would yeah. put three and like seven. Um I'm I haven't played eight, so I need to play eight at some point. But you haven't played Final Fantasy um, eight? Nope. You're not doing a bit right now, right? I'm not doing a bit right now. <laughs> okay. Oh. All right. <laughs> so I should play Final Fantasy VIII, but... I, I can't... Here's the thing is, when you play Final Fantasy VIII, you can't talk to me about Final Fantasy VIII. I can't be normal about Final Fantasy VIII. Yeah. Because um, it's like... That's my one. Like, I I really like ten and ten two, and I really like five and uh, 15 big into 15 uh, but i can understand people not liking certain aspects of those i think eight is like a formative video game maybe the formative video game for me um, yeah i, I feel like final it. fantasy eight is your chrono cross yeah <laughs> yeah well honestly playing a lot of chrono cross i was like man i this is a lot some of the stuff i really like in eight i just see like echoed in here in terms of where square enix's development about pre-rendered rpgs was um because a lot of the things I like about eight are just the like big spaces that have a sense of life beyond you traipsing through them. Um, and Chrono Cross does that exceptionally well. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's also a lot of, unsurprisingly, some of my favorite PlayStation two games are also just like RPG stuff. Yeah. Um, so all of the Xenosaga games, yeah, that is huge. I, I was playing the final fan, uh, the final, uh, Xenosaga game when my roommate was getting a Wii. Uh, wow. I literally beat yeah. it. I, I figured out a way to like cheese the combat system where I could one shot the multiple stage boss in one hit. <laughs> yeah. So I, um, yeah, I'm, like my college roommate had a PS2. I didn't get one because this was also the period where I was just astonishingly poor. Like sometimes, uh, 
my mom didn't have money for the electricity while I was in high school. We just didn't have power for a couple of days. Kind of poor. It was a bad time. So yeah. um, I had a GameCube, but like that was, there was no money for that sort of stuff. Um, and then once I got out of college and uh, the for like literally the first paycheck I got, which is been like 2006, uh, I bought a PS2 um, and I already had a copy of Guitar Hero because I bought it uh, with like my tuition money to play my roommate's PS2. So like my <laughs> PS2 game is fucking original ass Guitar Hero and Guitar Hero yeah. 2, um, for me. Even though like you know I I play we play we like pass around playing GTA and I played Ten and Ten Two in that in college uh, on that PS2. Um, yeah, but it, like all of the like Eco and Shadow I played on PS3, uh, Zone of the Enders I played on uh, PS3. Um, when I got to when I got to Metal Gear Solid, I played Metal Gear Solid two and three later on, like on PS two, but it was much later in the like cycle of such things. Um, yeah, because I was just buying stuff used at that point. But like a lot of the big hits is just like games I didn't have that much uh, time and experience with. I guess like I've gone back and played Devil May Cry, obviously, but it's just weird. It's just a it's just a console I have no actual affection for, and people are like, "Oh, the PS two is just like the cool thing for me," and I'm like, I feel it for the PS one a lot. And I kind of feel it for the PS3 and I just do not feel it for the PS2. But like in yeah. a way where I'm sad about it, I don't have nostalgia for the PS4. Fuck the PS4. But I, I like, yeah. the, I don't feel bad about not having nostalgia for the PS4. <laughs> yeah. But like when it comes to the PS2, like you don't have opinions about Radiata stories. No. You know? I did play both <laughs> Castlevanias for that fucking thing though. And I like them well enough that's the worst part uh but yeah no digging through like fucking bullshit like rogue galaxy it was not doing that i was doing that on the ds yeah ask me about the ds rpgs i probably played most of them um have you this is this is like a ds have you played um radiant historia yeah it's great which is the it's like a spiritual successor to radiata stories so okay uh um, i was yes i i really i played it at the time when i played it, i was like man this is like what if chrono trigger was like a good game yeah, that's also what I think of it. <laughs> I, I like Radiant Historia a lot. Yeah. Um. The the uh gameplay is is a good bit different. Like the the combat system. It's not shoving um, people around a grid. Yeah. No. Uh. It's more like Radiata stories. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to remember exactly. There's like this looks like a tales it's a little game. bit more I'll be action. With you. Yeah, it's a little bit more like action RPG. Uh-huh. So I like Radiant Historia more, but like part of me being excited about Radiant Historia was having played Radiata Stories. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, very few of these games hold a candle to Etrian Odyssey, one of the best RPG series to ever do it. So that's true. handheld's also great. Yeah. I um, Etrian is great. I need to go back and play the ones I haven't played. There's that uh, like remaster thing coming out. Yes, that that w- I will not be doing that. Yeah, and like I have all of those games. Mm. I mean, I guess I don't have some of the original ones on DS because I I played them on a R4 back in the day. Okay, uh, that's I, have, I, like, I had them it. all in the. I've offloaded basically my entire DS library at this point because. Yeah, I uh, got your Untold Two, which is the only right. of the 3DS one that I didn't have. Um, but yeah, um, 
But it is just like, one, I'm like curious how it's going to play on a Switch. I just don't know what that's going to be like. Uh, but the bigger thing is I'm like, I want it to do well where they will make more Etrian Odyssey games on the Switch. And hopefully it will play well. Yeah. But also I'm like, I don't want to buy the remaster for yeah, I, I will not however be buying much money. The, remaster to yeah. <laughs> the thing is, they love to do this. And never once has it been like, oh, this re-release sold really well. We're actually going to do this. It's just someone saying, yeah. we'll do a new one if the other one sells well. And then it never sells the amount they want because that's not how things work. Um, yeah. So I'm not going to be like a fool and buy it just to try and hope it does well. But yeah. Um, I do just want more Etrian Odyssey. And I guess I could play because they never be uh what Nexus was like that big last one. Yeah, two, three, and Nexus are the ones I don't have any real experience with. Yeah. I haven't done the the I haven't played either of the untold ones, but um I'll probably do that at some point. But I really want to play three. Three just sounds interesting. Oh. Yeah, of the original, like the DS ones, I think three is my favorite. That was that was a DS one, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. That was, and then four was three DS. Yep. Yeah. Um, I mean, it makes sense. It's like the the last of the DS ones, but oh, it um, just yeah, it just also it has like the most interesting character uh, classes, and uh, I I think the ocean yeah. gimmick sounds cool. You know, stuff like yeah, that. it's great. I love the ocean. You know this about me. <laughs> um. Especially in video games. In real life, eh, it's fine. <laughs> but you have people on the sea being, like, uh, vaguely filled with longing. Uh, that's the shit right there. <laughs> I don't think anyone's actually been on the sea filled with longing. That sounds fake to me. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Now I'm just looking at, uh, at Train Odyssey 3 stuff. I, I love these uh, character classes. Yeah. Just like looking at the portraits and being like, oh, I remember you. Yes. Um, good game. They are like long and grindy in a way that I don't really have the space in my life for now. But um, my thing with these is they kind of just take the place of uh, like when I'm doing a visual novel, I tend to just kind of pick at it before bed. Like, uh, you know, yeah. winding down, I'm going to play for 30 to f 30 to 60 minutes of this thing and uh, whatever. And uh, when I decide to play one of these, it just kind of slots into that exact same spot. Yeah. That is largely how I played them as well. But um, the other, especially with towards the reason why, like I didn't, play either of the untold ones is it was just coming out at a rate and i was playing it like slowly like an hour every day or two yeah um but it was just like there's a new one out and i'm like i haven't finished the other one though yeah. <laughs> i finished untold one and then i i didn't even touch untold two so did you do the uh the story mode or whatever yeah i wanted because i had already played one yeah. original and i wanted to see what the story thing was and it was all right but yeah I mean, um, I like I, that it exists for people who have not played a dungeon, like a dungeon crawler before, because like Etronasi 4 was my first one of those. I'd never played a game like that before. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, it was a lot. <laughs> it can be a lot, uh, you know? Yeah. 
that's the other it's such a like comfort game thing for me mm. because i played dungeon crawlers a lot as a kid um just like on computer yeah. uh and with like you know graph paper i got from my dad drawing out maps uh so like having to draw out the map on the screen is just so like that's like what's really comforting to me um is like doing the whole like let me and the fact that they're like able to then have like icons that change and stuff to like further give you information on the map um is great so it's like the perfect extension of the like weird thing i found enjoyable about these games when i was a kid so uh anyway i don't know if you have anything else I feel like no. we're winding down I'm pretty good. Yeah. Um, don't have to be in super early tomorrow. So uh, yeah. I have to go to a trade show instead of into the office, which mean, means I get to sleep in a little bit. But yeah, uh, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at EM underscore B. You can find all of my podcasts at normalmapping.com, including this one. But uh, as of... Uh, this goes up Wednesday night, Thursday afternoon. Uh, the new abnormal mapping will be up, uh, which is all the games that uh, we couldn't bother to saddle you with uh, on Saturday. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to people hearing uh, mostly me and Jackson laughing about Chris Redfield shooting Mia Winters in the head seven times. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's never not funny. Everyone, everyone loves it. I gotta say, when you said Mia there, I did hear Nia. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I did have you hold back like what one game, two, two, two. I don't even remember what this. I remember Kirby uh, Kirby's Dreamland. Uh, Secret of Mana. Oh yeah, I wasn't sure which, if we were, which I won't have much yeah. to say about. But um, I do, I do, I will be, I will like to have someone also go. Yeah, it's boring, fucking boring game. Unless you're like twelve and you have two friends over. Yeah, or like twenty and you have like your wife and uh your roommate at the time um and you're like okay let's just do this <laughs> that's basically the same thing yeah. you're describing the same thing yeah <laughs> basically um that's what it's for yeah you know if you want a jrpg there's so many better ones <laughs> yes yes um anyway uh is it my turn for plugs yeah um so you can find me at Foxmomnia on Twitter, uh, you know, Annie List, Letterboxd, co-host, technically. Um, and go listen to my other podcasts. Uh, if you like Gundam, we are, like, when you're hearing this, uh, this Friday is going to be the, the final episode for Iron-Blooded Orphans discussion. Um, and then in, like, a week, we'll be recording the question bucket. Uh, so if people do have questions for Iron-Blooded Orphans, they can send it to us. Um, otherwise go listen to, uh, ornate stairwells. I feel like we've had some good episodes lately. Uh, having good movies helps. Um, it's a movie podcast. Um, uh, and pondering Putan. Did you listen to the newest one? No, I've been sick. I was not okay. listening to podcasts today. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I don't know how people are going to respond to this one. I, I saw, I, your, I saw your tweet about it, and I was like, are you talking about me specifically? Because I feel like I'm the person who complains about Putan to you the most. 
you you might be messaging me being like this episode is unhinged i thought it was a lot of fun i think lots of people will listen to it and be like what the fuck is this um to which i will say read the manga it'll all make sense i will not be doing that um it was it was a very fun episode i enjoyed it a lot (laughs) um and uh you know listen to me on normal mapping see you so I'm excited to record that. Uh, me too. I'm excited to like not have to hold the plot of Chrono Cross in my head concretely anymore. Yeah. Because there's a certain amount of like, I need to remember Chronopolis and what it is. And the, I can just let all that go after Saturday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shit, uh-huh. I do not care about. I do not care about Balthazar and the secret of Chronopolis. Um. Yeah, I don't really care that much either. Yeah, Other but it, than... it is like things that will be discussed, right? Like that yeah. stuff that matters. Um, yeah, I just it's just not what I like. I care about, uh, you know, Harl should uh, be able to chill. You know, I care about that stuff in the broad thematic way of like the way it's positioning Chrono Cross in relation to Chrono Trigger, but yeah. the like actual details of plot I don't give any shit about. <laughs> so, yeah, um. And honestly, the best part of all of that is just when, like, Child Chrono and Marl or whatever are yelling at you. That's true. <laughs> so, um, we're done here. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll be finishing the saga in two weeks. Um, yep. Look forward to that. Listen to Abnormal Mapping in the meantime. Uh, and we're out of the saga. We're out of the podcast. That's what we say here. Yeah. And then we are out of the podcast. Yeah.